Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. The hubbub and the conversation, if I might. Um, you can continue these conversations after teas and coffees will be served afterwards. And I'd really encourage you to stay around, chat some more, maybe catch up with a few people. And I'd really encourage you to do that. So this morning we, we're beginning our Christmas, our Christmas, our Advent series. And uh, this morning we're going to begin by looking at a passage right at the beginning of the Gospel of John. And I'm going to read this passage to us this morning, maybe a little more slowly than normal. And we just want to take a few moments just to try and to take in some of the words, some of the concepts that John is trying to communicate in this passage, and then I'm going to hopefully explain a little as we go. But right at the beginning of John's Gospel, he says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him... All things were made. Without him, nothing has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that those, although through him, all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one 
and only Son, who is himself God, as in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Has made him known. So this morning I want to walk through this passage for a few moments. Essentially what John does in this passage as we walk through is he makes observations about the physical things we know about light, light in the physical world, and applies those things to the person of Jesus. And you might say, well, these are, these are very obvious things this morning. These are very obvious things about light. And John deliberately makes these things very obvious, but he's actually very clever with how he uses them and how he purposes them for this explanation. So effectively, John, as he walks this passage, says this, light brings life. So does Jesus. Light overcomes darkness. So does Jesus. Light reveals things and makes things known. So does Jesus. I don't know where you are this morning with your Christmas preparation or perhaps you're organized. Perhaps you're ready and waiting to go. Perhaps you're feeling like it's the last thing you need in terms of your busyness and everything else. Perhaps there's, there's not a great deal of excitement, but this morning I just want to begin our Christmas series, if you like, with hopefully a little bit of revelation, excitement. The light has come. And for us as, as Christians, for us who have encountered his light, Christmas is such a significant thing. And it gets lost in the mess of all the other things that go with Christmas. But I just want to focus on this this morning. So I've got a video clip, which hopefully this is going to work. No, it's not going to work. Sorry? Oh, look, here it comes. Has anyone watched this series, Planet Earth 2? Has anybody seen this? It's just an extraordinary thing. And this is, this is a clip from a place in the mountains. Is it working, guys? Fantastic. If you haven't seen that episode, it's really marvellous. But it's, this is high up in the Andes and uh, very thin air. And overnight, the water freezes. The flamingos get locked into, the, into the, the lake, effectively. And then the sun rises. And with the sun comes their ability to move 
to feed, to live, really. And John, at the beginning of this passage, says, you know, essentially this, if there wasn't light, there wouldn't be life. Now, we know the sun brings life to everything. You cannot have life without light. If you're going to have anything alive at all, you need light. And John says, Jesus, Jesus is like that. If there wasn't Jesus, we wouldn't be able to live. He is the one who brings everything into being. He is the one who starts everything. He's the one you need in order for there to be life at all. And that's not an idea. John is drawing from the, the passage, familiar passage at the beginning of Genesis 1, which we're all, I think, familiar with. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This isn't working, is it? There we are. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And we notice three things, really, from this thing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was darkness. And God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. If you read on through Genesis, everything else, God said, I want to do this, and therefore he made it. But with light, all he does is he speaks the word light, and it came into being. Now, I've conducted a few wedding ceremonies in my time, and at the point where I say to people, I now pronounce you man and wife, they are married. I don't suddenly make them married, or I do something to construct a marriage. It's those words that are spoken makes the marriage. And it's this thing that's happening. As God says, let there be light, they are, or there is, Light. God spoke and it happened. Light came into the world and with light came life. Nothing was before it and everything becomes, everything is created. Jesus is the one by, all, by whom all things are made. And there's this interaction between the Trinity, there's the Spirit hovering over the waters, there's God who has spoken and there is the light. And from that, and before everything else, there is this light. And Jesus is that one. He is the one who brings the life, sustains the life. He's the one who's required before anything else can be. You know, if you were to read or watch on from this series on planet Earth, you'd see that, you know, in the darkness in Antarctica, there is very little life. We know this to be true we see that idea, that concept, and John's drawing that concept saying, you know, without the light, without Christ, there is nothing. And then the second thing John goes on to say, is, says, the second thing, it means the light overcomes darkness. And this is pretty obvious to most of us. You know, light and darkness is, it's not a fair fight. I think sometimes... There's lots of pairs or opposites, even in Christianity, whereby you could actually say, well, who's going to win? Maybe 
that you're not sure of which one is going to be the, the victor, the conqueror, the, the one who overcomes. Things like love and hate. Occasionally hate does, it seems in a situation, overcome or prevail. And it's not obvious always in some of those scenarios who's going to overcome, but light, light always overcomes darkness. Light and darkness, it isn't a fair struggle or, if you like, an equal fight. Light never, ever loses a battle with darkness. It's physically impossible. We have light and we have darkness. Who's going to win? Might it be darkness today? No, that, that can't happen. Because darkness, by definition, is the absence of light. And you might light a candle in a room. I might light a candle here today, and you may not be able to see it from a long way off. And you think, oh, well, darkness overcome. No, actually, what has overcome that light is other light. Darkness in itself isn't a thing. It's the absence of a thing. Darkness isn't big and strong and mighty. It's the absence of those things. Over the Easter holidays, Evie and Jane and I, we were watching the Harry Potter movies and there's some great gospel truths, especially towards the end of the episode. There's some amazing stories in there. But one of the things that was really fun in there, which is they get given gadgets, and like magical gadgets, and they're really cool. And one of them, um, Ron Weasley's given, it's called a deluminator. And there's a little clip here of Ron and his deluminator. And basically he presses a button and the light gets sucked into his deluminator. And then he can press it again and the light gets sent back to his out of his deluminator. And it basically, it's a really nice idea, but it can't work. It's just a complete contradiction in terms. There's no such thing as a darkness that's big or strong enough to take away all the light. That's not how it is. Darkness is the absence of a thing. It's essentially what you have left over when there is no light. And spiritual darkness is a bit like that too. See, spiritual darkness isn't as such a thing. It's the absence of a thing. And when people say, and this is a complicated thing, why did God create evil? It's a really good question. And some of the answer is you could say, in a way, he, he didn't create evil. It, Evil, actually, it's just the situation where there's no light. Let me try and briefly illustrate this. It's wrapped up in a theory called the privation of being, and Augustine and others, um, Boethius and Thomas Aquinas and others, would have this understanding or this theory that light is not a thing on its own. Now, if I had a sock this morning, let me try and explain this. If I had a sock this morning, and I took, well, I do got two socks on this morning. If I was to take one of them off and it had a hole in it, the hole itself that I could poke my finger through, the hole actually is itself is not a thing. But it does cause a problem. Now, I know you have to have two holes in a sock. You have to have one to put your foot in in the first place. But 
if there's a hole in the sock, the hole itself is not a thing, but it does cause a problem to the sock. The reason I'm explaining this is what I just want to try and get across to you is this idea that, you know, where there is light, darkness has to flee. It's not a contest. Some people suggest that darkness can overcome, even in spiritual language, but it's not possible. Light always wins in these situations. I came across another film recently. You may have seen this. It's a really interesting take on the Martin Luther King Selma Bridge incident, 1965, when they marched across the bridge together. And Luther King in this film is... Is really well portrayed, but one of the things that he's constantly referring to is this idea that these things are happening in the darkness, i.e. they're happening where nobody can see them. What we need to do is to bring them out into the light. And so the, the president is saying, please don't do these marches. Please don't do this. I'll try and fix it for you, but don't keep on doing this. And Luther King is saying, well, you know what? No. This has to be, and he was almost like the first guy who worked the media in such a way like this. He said, no, these things have to be out in the light. People need to see these things, and then something will happen, something will change. And this is a little bit like what John's point is here. See, Jesus has come, the light is here, the truth has been revealed, and to act as if it hasn't, well, there's just no going back now. There isn't. And this is a good message for dark times and turbulent times like we're in now because these are confusing times, they're uncomfortable times, I think, for many people. Many are saying, I'd never thought I'd live to see a country in this kind of state or situation. You know, Carl Henry, the American theologian, he is a phrase when he was talking about the early church. He said, you know, the early church never said, look what the world's coming to. It said, look what has come into the world. The light has come into the world. The light overcomes the darkness. It cannot fail. He will not fail. He does not fail. Third thing John says, and I think this is really important, the light makes visible things that you couldn't see before. Now, you might have had this experience on the holiday. We had this experience on the holiday. This is down in um, Florida on the Keys one time. We were there, and we drove to this location at night. We couldn't see a great deal. We parked up. We went into our little hut place that we were accommodation. The boys were extremely disappointed with our accommodation because they were sharing with me. And... Um, we were hoping that it was maybe a little better than it was. And then in the morning, we caught a glimpse. The light came up and we found out where we were. Perhaps you've had this. You've arrived in a holiday location at night. And then you don't know what's going on. You're hoping it's going to be good. You're hoping it's going to be really nice. And then the sun comes up and you see you see what is around you. You see the scenery, the, the beauty of the location. And Jesus is described as the light. 
And he's also described as the word of God in this passage. So we have light and word. Something you can hear, you could say, and something you can see. And actually, this is quite a revolutionary idea because until this point, the people that lived where John was talking, they'd had the word for a long time. They'd had the word of God. They had the scriptures. And John's authenticating that idea. You've got the word. Here's the word. But now you've also got this idea of light. I, you can see him. You have it both now. What God sounds like and what God looks like. And they have to come together. And if we look and we listen and we watch, this is such a fair representation of what God is. It's like we're looking at God himself. That's what Jesus is. To Christians, that's who he is. Now let me try and illustrate this, and I'll try not to be too heretical with this, but when I was in business years ago, I used to travel, and then once a day, maybe once every three or four days, I used to phone Jane. <laughs> and so I'm all right, honey, it's fine, and how are you, and how's the kids, and everything else. And it was good. But all I could do was I, I could hear Jane all I could do was hear her. And then they had this wonderful thing, Skype, I think it was the, the first thing, where if I was connected to the Wi-Fi, I could not only hear Jane, but I could see her as well. And that, became, that was a whole different thing. And now, of course, we take it for granted, don't we? FaceTime and all these other things you can do. But that's a little bit like what John's getting on here. You had, or you could hear what God was like. But now you can see. Now we get to see what God is like. The light has come. The light has revealed what God is like. We hear and we see. This is extraordinary. For centuries, people were saying, what? I understand God is like this. And suddenly Christ comes. And for us today, this is extraordinary. And I think we get very familiar with this. God has been amongst us in flesh. We get to see, we can see what God now is like. And he's been always been the God who cries at weddings and makes wine at weddings and cries at funerals and, and love. He's always been that God, but through Jesus we get to see that is what God is like. The God who, who loves children and loves family and loves to engage with conversation and discussion and eat and sit and enjoy people. That's what God is like. We know this because of Jesus. Extraordinary. God brings 
life. God overcomes darkness. And God makes visible that which is invisible. God the Father, immortal, invisible, only wise, is now visible through Jesus Christ. Perhaps this morning, you're getting a bit tired of Christmas already. But this is Christmas. This is the extraordinary, wonderful thing that Christmas, and this is just part of it. And we'll come on to the other parts of it over these next few weeks. But God has come, and now we can set our eyes upon him. On the first day, on the first day it was dark, and the Spirit was hovering over the waters. That's what it says in Genesis 1. It was dark, and God said, light. And there was light. And in his powerful word, this word on its own, brought light and life to everything. And then, on Sunday, Sunday morning, AD 30, it's dark. It's black and it's dark and people are crying and people are heartbroken because the sun hasn't risen that morning and Jerusalem is dark. And God says, Light. Those powerful words, step out of the tomb and bring light into the world such that we can never go back. Everything's changed. We can never go back because the light has overcome. The light has come to us. Jesus, the light of the world, has come into the world. What a blessing it is. What an extraordinary thing it is. And this morning, if if you perhaps are feeling like life is dark... You're in a situation of darkness and actually you need some help. Or the one who has overcome the darkness is here to help you. So we're going to sing in a few moments and if you'd like someone just to stand with you, to talk with you, to minister with you, to listen to you. Then we've got people around with these lanyards, uh, lanyards, pink lanyards on, and they will love to do that. But we're going to sing, we're going to celebrate, we're going to honour, we're going to give thanks this morning. The light of the world has come. Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.